0: This is day 117 and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible. 1st Chronicles 15 through 20, Psalm 14 and 15. 1st Chronicles 15. After David had constructed buildings for himself in the city of David, he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, "No one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord chose them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever." David assembled all Israel and Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared for it. He called together to the descendants of Aaron and the Levites, from the descendants of Kohath, Uriel, the leader and 120 relatives, from the descendants of Merari, Asiah the leader and 220 relatives, from the descendants of Gershon, Joel, the leader and 130 relatives, from the descendants of Elisavan, Shemaiah, the leader, 200 relatives, from the descendants of Hebron, Eliel, the leader, and 80 relatives, from the descendants of Uzziel; Abinadab, the leader, and 112 relatives. Then David summoned Zadok and Abathar, the priests, and Uriel, Asaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Abinadab and the Levites. He said to them, You are the heads of the Levitical families. You and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourselves and bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. It was because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of Him about how to do it in the prescribed way. So the priests and Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring up the Ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the Ark of God with the poles on their shoulders as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord." David told the leaders of the Levites to appoint their fellow Levites as musicians to make a joyful sound with musical instruments, lyres, harps, and cymbals. So the Levites appointed Haman, son of Joel, from his relatives Esoph, son of Berachai, and from their relatives the Merarites, Ethan, son of Cushai, and with them their relatives next in rank, Zechariah, Jeziel, Shemarimoth, Jael, Uni, Eliab, Benai, Masai, Matiathai, Elephalo, Mikanai, Obedam, Jael the gatekeepers. The musicians, Haman, Asaf, and Ethan, were to sound the bronze cymbals. Zachariah, Jeziel, Shemarimoth, Jael Uni, Eliab, Massah, and Benea were to play the lyres according to Elamoth and Metitha, Elefalehu, Milkanah, Obadiah, Jael, Azaziah were to play the harps, directing, according to Shemaniath. Kenai, the head Levite, was in charge of the singing. That was his responsibility because he was skillful at it. Barakai and el were to be doorkeepers for the ark. Shemani, Fat, Nethanel... Emissai, Zachari, Benai, and Elazar, the priests, were to blow trumpets before the ark of God. Obed-edom and Jael were also to be doorkeepers for the ark. So David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of units of thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-edom with rejoicing, because God had helped the Levites who were carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Seven bulls and seven rams were sacrificed. Now David was clothed in a robe of fine linen and were all the Levites who were carrying the ark, and were the musicians and Kenai who was in charge of the singing of the choirs. David also wore a linen ephod. So all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouts, with the sounding of ram horns and trumpets, and of cymbals and the playing of lyres and harps. As the ark of the covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David dancing and celebrating, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God. After David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each Israelite man and woman. He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to extol, thank, and praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Esaf was the chief and the next to him in rank were Zechariah, then Jezeel, Shemarimoth, Jael, Metitha, Eliab, Bene, Obed-Eyom, and Jael. They were to play the lyre and the harps. Esaf was to sound the cymbals and Benai and Jehaziel, the priests, were to blow the trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. That day, first appointed Asaph and his associates to give praise to the Lord in this manner. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of His wonderful acts. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in His strength. Seek His face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgment he pronounced. You, his servant, the descendants of Israel, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you, I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When they were But few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no one to oppress them for their sake. He rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and joy are in His dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. The world is firmly established; it cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among among the nations. The Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing. Let them sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever cry out, Save us, God our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. David left Asaph and his associates before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister there regularly according to each day's requirements. He also left Obedidam and his 68 associates to minister with them. Obedidam, son of Jeduthon and also Hosah, were gatekeepers. David left Zadok the priest, and his fellow priests before the tabernacle of the Lord at the high place in Gibeon. To present burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar, burnt offerings regularly, morning and evening, in accordance with everything written in the law of the Lord, which He had given Israel. With them were Haman and Judithan. And the rest of those chosen and designated by name to give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Haman and Judathon were responsible for the sounding of the trumpets and cymbals, for the playing of the other instruments, for sacred songs. The songs of Judathon were stationed at the gate. Then all the people left each of their own home, and David returned home to bless his family. After David was settled in his palace, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. Nathan replied to David, Whatever you have in mind... Do it, for God is with you. But that night the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, This is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought Israel up out of Egypt to this day. I have moved from one tent site to another, from one dwelling place to another. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their leaders whom I commanded to shepherd my people, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people in Israel, and will plant them so that they can have home of their own and no longer be disturbed." Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also subdue all your enemies. I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you. When your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him as I took it away from your predecessor. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, "'Who am I, Lord God, and what is my family, that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, my God, you have spoken about the future of the house of your servant. You, Lord God, have looked on me as though I were the most exalted of men.' What more can David say to you for honoring your servant? For you know your servant, Lord, for the sake of your servant and according to your will. You have done this great thing and made known all this, these great promises. There is no one like you, Lord, and there is no God but you. As we have heard with our own ears, and who is like your people Israel? the one nation on earth whose God went out to redeem a people for himself and to make a name for yourself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. You made your people Israel, your very own forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord, let the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house be established forever. Do as you promised so that it will be established and that your name will be great forever. Then people will say, the Lord Almighty, the God over Israel, is Israel's God, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. You, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him, so your servant has found courage to pray to you. You, Lord, our God, you have promised these good things to your servant. Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight, for you, Lord, have blessed it, and it will be blessed forever." In the course of time, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them, and he took Gath and its surrounding villages from the control of the Philistines. David also defeated the Moabites, and they became subject to him and brought him tribute. Moreover, David defeated Hadadezar, king of Jobah, in the vicinity of Hamath, when he went to set up his monument at the Euphrates River. David captured a thousand of his chariots, seven thousand charioteers, and twenty thousand foot soldiers. He hamstrung all but a hundred of the chariot horses. When the Arameans of Damascus came to help Hadadezar, king of Joba, David struck down twenty. 2,000 of them. He put garrisons in the Armian kingdom of Damascus and the Aramians became subject to him and brought him tribute. The Lord gave David vicinity wherever he went. David took the gold shields carried by the officers of Hadadezar and brought them to Jerusalem. From Taba and Kun, Towns that belonged to Hadadezer, David took a great quantity of bronze, which Solomon used to make the bronze sea, the pillar, and various bronze articles. When Tau, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the entire army of Hadadezer, king of Zobah, he sent his son Hadoram to king David to greet him and congratulate him on his victory in battle over Hadadezer who had been at war with Tau, had Durham brought all kinds of articles of gold, of silver, and of bronze. King David dedicated these articles to the Lord as he had done with the silver and gold he had taken from all these nations, Edom and Moab, the Ammonites and the Philistines and Amalek. Abishai, son of Zerai, struck down 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He put garrisons in Edom and all the Edomites became subject to David. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. David reigned over all Israel, doing what was just and right for all his people. Joab, son of Zerah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahleud, was recorder. Zadok, son of Hatub, and Ahimelech, son of Abithar, were priests. Shavshah was secretary. Benai, son of Jehoiada, was over the Karathites and Pelathites. And David's sons were chief officials at the king's side. In the course of time, Nahash, king of the Ammonites, died and his son succeeded him as king. David thought, I will show kindness to Hanan, son of Nahash, because his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hanan concerning his father. When David's envoys came to Hanan in the land of the Ammonites to express sympathy to him, the Ammonites' commander said to Hanan, Do you think David is honoring your father by sending envoys to you to express sympathy? Haven't his envoys come to you only to explore and spy out the country and overthrow it? So Hanan seized David's envoys, shave them, cut off their garments at the buttocks, and set them away. When someone came and told David about the men, he sent messengers to meet them, for they were greatly humiliated. The king said, Stay at Jericho till your beards have grown and then come back. When the Ammonites realized that they had become obnoxious to David, Hanun and the Ammonites sent a thousand talents of silver to hire chariots and charioteers from Aram Nahariah, Aram, Makkah, and Zobah. They hired 32,000 chariot and charioteers as well as the king of Makkah with his troops who came and camped near Medeba. while the Ammonites were mustered from their towns and moved out for battle. On hearing this, David sent Joab out with the entire army of fighting men. The Ammonites came out and drew up in battle formation at the entrance of their city, while the kings who had come were themselves in the open country. Joab saw there was battle lines in front of him and behind him, so he selected some of the best troops in Israel and deployed them against the Aramians. He put the rest of the men under the command of Abishai, his brother, and they were deployed against the Ammonites. Joab said, if the Aramians are too strong for me, then you are to rescue. Me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will rescue you. Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people in the city of our God. The Lord will do what is good in His sight. Then Joab and the troops with him advanced to fight the Arameans, and they fled before him. When the Ammonites realized that the Arameans were fleeing, they too fled before his brother Abishai and went inside the city. So Joab went back to Jerusalem. After the Aramians saw that they had been routed by Israel, they sent messengers and had Aramians brought from beyond the Euphrates River, with Shafak and the commander of Hadadezer's army leading them. When David was told of this, he gathered all Israel and crossed the Jordan. He advanced against them and formed his battle lines opposite them. David formed his line to meet the Aramians in battle, and they fought against him. But they fled before Israel, and David killed 7,000 of their charioteers and 40,000 of their foot soldiers. He also killed Shofak, the commander of their army. When the vassals of Hadadezar saw that they had been routed by Israel, they made peace with David and became subject to him. So the Aramians were not willing to help the Ammonites anymore. In the spring at the end, when kings go off to war, Joab led out the army, armed forces. He laid waste to the land of the Ammonites and went to Rabbah and besieged it. But David remained in Jerusalem. Joab attacked Rabbah and left it in ruins. David took the crown from the head of their king. Its weight was found to be a talent of gold and it was set with precious stones and it was placed on David's head. He took a great quantity of plunder from the city and brought out the people who were there, consigning them to labor with saw and with iron picks and axes. David did this to all the Ammonite towns. Then David and his entire army returned to Jerusalem. In the course of time, war broke out with the Philistines at Gezer. At that time, Sibekai the Hushathite killed Sippah, one of the descendants of the Rephites, and the Philistines were subjugated. In another battle with the Philistines, Elehanan, son of Jair, killed Lamai, the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod. In still another battle, which took place at Gath, there was a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all. He also was descendant from Rapha. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of Shammai, David's brother, killed him. These were the descendants of Rapha and Gath, and they fell at the hands of David and his men. Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, they are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God, all have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. But there they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation from Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one who walks is blameless. Who does what is righteous? Who speaks the truth from their heart? Whose tongue utters no slander? Who does not? No wrong to a neighbor and cast no slur on others. Who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord? Who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind? And who lends money to the poor without interest? Who does not accept a bribe against the innocent? Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Today, we are focusing on 1 Chronicles, and I want to zoom out for a second and talk about where we are in the story. There are three parts to First and Second Chronicles. The genealogy, remember those? It started with Adam, and then I did my best to name the families God chose in the story to be his representatives. Specifically, there were two lines. We talked about the one, the family, the line, the genealogy that leads to Jesus, the Messiah, and we talked about the, the priesthood lineage. Through chapter 9. Then, since chapter 10, we've been reading a fluttering narrative of King David, and then the third part we'll cover in 2 Chronicles. So 1st and 2nd Chronicles are considered a supplement of Samuel and Kings, and no one knows who wrote Chronicles, so I like to refer to the person or persons as the chronicler or the chroniclers. Some say it was Ezra or someone in the priesthood. But I like to stick with the chronicler because we don't because we don't know for sure and sometimes I think when we name someone specific the sense of certainty sometimes heightens and people often or sometimes forget to qualify that we don't know for sure. So I like to stick with the chronicler, but that's just me. However, in the Hebrew language, the title of the Chronicles is derived from 1 Chronicles twenty-seven twenty-four, and may be translated the events of the years. The Jewish Bible places it as the last book while the Reformed Protestant Bible we are reading does not. An early Greek translation of the Bible, known as the Septuagint, referred to Chronicles as the things omitted. Martin Luther, the reformer and founder of the Lutheran Church, his translation of the book Die Chronica* was the title adopted in the Bible we read today. So like the two Chronicles. The ESV Study Bible, as well as other common commentaries, offer more meaningful insights on the what, who, and why of Chronicles. And on one hand, it seems kind of tricky to read, but on the other, for me, it really comes to life in this reading, particularly we'll talk about chapter 17. Dr. Mackey points out that in the telling of the stories about David, which we were reading now, interestingly leave out the parts of the story where David is portrayed as weak, like hiding in the desert or where he's you know, morally immoral or morally defecting, the part where he took a man's wife and had him killed. And Samuel really kind of focuses on those mishaps. So I, I don't think the point is to leave one out or not, but it, it is interesting that we're focusing on the pattern and point. What's left are the positive stories of David, which I cherish, for example, particularly related to leadership. When he would go to God, even in time-sensitive crises for directives on his next steps, and how David at his best was not quick to anger or seeking violence, but he was capable of it if and when called to do it, and often offered generosity, grace, and kindness, he did not mock his enemies when he won, and he would seek friendship with an enemy who was willing to follow God. God and become a part of this story and not be an an anti-story. He even grieves for enemies who were people he knew and loved who had fallen away, like he was playing that role of intercessor in prayer. The author of the Gospel Coalition and Partnership with Crossway and the ESV Study Bible describe how the Chronicle's narrative method is clear and explicit. Yes, it's about the David and his family and the people of Israel and relationship with God, but the choice pattern in this story is for all of us. It's seek God or forsake him. The choice is there over and over with father, with son. Over and over we saw this or are seeing this. To seek God means to orient our lives towards remembering and obeying with Shema, our whole hearts and souls. This is where we are blessed and in and as representative leaders for the purpose of blessing others, bringing God's shalom to chaos. To forsake God is to reject him and choose self-pleasure or self-righteousness, where we are certain of our own wisdom and knowledge and way of doing right and wrong, or we just don't care and we only want to feel good and be comfortable and happy. Transient mood states, it's to give up our place in his story and at worst to become the anti-story. The story is also about forgiveness and restoration to God. We bear witness to the depths of his grace, at the even at the egregious mistakes of mankind. Matt Whitman from the 10-Minute Bible Hour, he also puts out a great podcast if you're interested, describes how First Chronicles author is painting a picture of hope, God's redemption, where there are three threads, God's chosen people, the royal lineage, and the priesthood, which we look at as the intercessor. It comes together in chapter 17, where it says the Lord will build a house for you. This chapter describes how the Lord establishes the kingdom. He builds the house. He provides the one who will be over the house and the kingdom forever. So, that again, he provides the one who will be over the house in the kingdom forever. So, he establishes the kingdom, he builds the house, and he provides the one who will be over it forever. And who is this? We know because we've read ahead. It's Jesus. And the Lord will establish a throne for his representative leaders. So, talking back to David about his son, who we will know later, that will also last forever. So, our role as his representative leaders from the very beginning in Genesis, it's still on. He's saying it's still on mission still on brand ambassadors putting him on display you know being creation caregivers helping others navigate to jesus in a for atonement interceding in prayer and being prodigally generous are part of his story and ours forever chapter 17 is tremendously awesome and important i love it because i think sometimes we think of heaven, particularly when we're tired, I think, <laughs> like like a, a cerebral retirement where we're floating on a cloud or something, and maybe what we really need is rest and a vacation. But I, I really think the hints we're beginning to see is that we're going to be called into this forever, even when, he, when Jesus returns and fully restores creation. But I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's just exciting to see that from Genesis to all the way here— Jesus God is still making a way for us to be a part of his creation story and his rescue mission. It's just so incredible, but that he's over it all. He's sovereign and he's making a way. He's building a house. He's establishing the kingdom. This story talks about God's covenant with David and the hint of a Messiah to come from his descendants and the work of restoration. Everything is being recast and reframed. Matt calls it a mosaic, a masterful recap, For the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Galatians 5:22 through 24. See you tomorrow.